Pan African Connect on CliffCentral.com. Good afternoon, beautiful people. My name is Rosie Motena, a.k.a. the Afro-Yiddish Princess. Welcome to another week of Pan-African Connect, where we connect with people all across this wonderful, wonderful continent. Today, we're going to Zambia. We're going to be talking about music, DJing, lifestyle, and profiling a phenomenal, phenomenal man by the name of Chishala Chitoshi Jr., uh, finding out why he left his law degree to follow his passion and how that's turned out for him. But um, if you want to to give us a shout, uh, give me a call on 0861-555-189. Of course, I am on Twitter, Princess RTM. We're on Twitter under cliffcentral.com, uh, Facebook Cliff Central, and of course, WeChat Cliff Central. But before we, we move on to Chishala Chitoshi Jr., we gotta start the show as usual. Yeah, uh-huh, you know what it is. Black and Jewish, black and Jewish, black and Jewish, black and Jewish. Yeah, uh-huh, you know what it is. Black and Jewish, black and Jewish, black and Jewish, black and Jewish. Sam Cook, you send me. 
Welcome to the show. My name is Rosie Motena, a.k.a. the Afro-Yiddish Princess. And welcome to my show, Pan-African Connect, where we look at beautiful stories, interesting people, what's delicious, what's hot, only on the African continent. And today, we are going to Zambia, chatting to, to my good friend and colleague, Mr. Chishala Chitoshi Jr., about his career and how he's changed the face of radio in, in Zambia. Chishala, how are you? Chishala. Is my brother there? Mulabwanji, brother. Yes. Mulibwanji. Mulibwanji. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Well, good, I'm good. complaining about the heat, though. It's a little too hot, but I'm good. Uh, but you know, Africa's hot, so uh, it's, 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 it's in our blood. You know what I mean? Irrespective of where we are. Yeah, Even if we're in sitting in a cold studio in Joburg, it's still hot. Thank you so much yeah. for taking time out to chat to us. I, I wanted to introduce you to our listeners. Um, you know, we, we're going to talk about your radio station later on. We're going to talk about your, your DJing and so forth. But before you were in the, um, got into the music industry and the radio industry, you studied law. Now, jumping from law to music is a big and a huge jump. Did you, did you grow up in a musical home? Actually, I did. Um, uh, when, I, when I say musical, really, uh, my parents used to play a lot of records. Mm-hmm. And really, it just happened. I used to listen to a lot of music at the time. And and my siblings as well would all sort of be waiting, especially Sundays, like when uh, dad was a very busy man. And, you know, he was a... He was he was a judge actually, and you know, hence the role. By the way, he was a judge, and he never really used to be at home much. But when he was, like on Sundays, he would sit and pull out all these records, and we would start listening to them. Yeah. So the interest started a long time ago, and taking note of who was who and who they liked and whatnot. So, yes, yeah, that's basically how it started. But uh, I, in secondary school, when I when I was at school, I, I used to be one of those. I was a geek. I used to sit in my in in the boarding house, the guys are doing whatever else, and I'm recording uh, radio shows from yeah. wherever I could listen, and listening to them, and collecting the music, and even editing. You know, maybe cutting up the DJ because I want the song. <laughs> so oh, we all used to do that in the eighties. Listen, listen to it, and then press play, record quickly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you know, you'd be, you didn't want to go and drag and show off to your friends and you're playing something. And then you'd get upset if the radio station had a jingle or something and a song playing over, over <laughs> your, you know, a jingle playing over your song. You'd get upset because that's how we used to shine those days. Yeah. So I, I, I really was, even while I was at school, music was my love, really. I used to listen to music a lot. Yeah. And then I became the school DJ, you know, when we have all these functions like your leave ball and things like that. And, would would go and play music there, but still didn't really look at it as something that would turn into a, a career right. of any sort. It really just started from passion, and this is what I always tell people: it's, you'd be amazed at how if you kickstart something from passion, and, and I'm not looking for maybe the money or the fame, you'd be surprised at how things start falling on your lap afterwards. Yeah, yeah that's it. You follow your passion, get somebody else to 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 pay for it, and 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 you can enjoy it. But when we, I mean, you, you yes. completed your law degree, you got to the end. Where, when you made that decision, yes. okay, well, I'm not going to practice law anymore. Um, how did that come about? And, and, and also, what was, what was the response from your family? Okay. Um, I practiced law for 10 years. Okay. Close to 10 years. Huh? Yeah. Uh, after I was called to the bar, I, I moved back home from the UK then. Mm. That's where I did my law degree. And mm. I, I, I came straight back to do the bar. I was called to the bar. And uh, after that, I was in full-time employment from about 95, 96. I was working as yeah. a lawyer. And, you know, I, at the same time, was moonlighting as a DJ <laughs> <laughs> at the weekends. So I, it started like that. And, mm. you know, it started growing from there, started, you know, investing in equipment and, you know, PA systems. That's how it started. I actually remember once getting a loan from the bank I was working for. I was a, I was a legal, I was a senior legal officer for one of the commercial banks, and yeah. uh, everyone else was applying for, you know, cars and the car loans and things like that. And I went to buy JPL speakers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I got, I, yeah, I got a loan from that, and I noticed it started, you know, picking up, and the demand started growing. Next thing, you know, I started then mentoring and employing guys as well. Mm-hmm. So it got so busy, we ended up having like three full sets of equipment because we would get double booked sometimes and whatnot. So mm. at that time, I think I had been, you know, somehow accidentally picked up uh, to do 
the first episode, I think the first season of Big Brother Africa, Yeah. Uh, I, I was approached to audition for that. And I actually remember saying to the guy from Marches, I have no interest in TV. That's what I said to them. I said, I've never been on TV. I don't think I want to do this. They're like, no, no, please just come and try out, et cetera, et cetera. So I went for this thing. Next thing, I was the field presenter for Big Brother yeah. Africa. Mark Pilgrim, I think at the time, was the yeah the main, was the host. Yeah. So that's how it, it, it started like that. It, it got a bit busy. I did Big Brother Africa 1 and 2, and then Studio 53 came yeah. along. Yeah, well, so we'll, we'll get into studio. We'll get along. into studio fifty three in a minute. But to go back to the music, yeah. I mean, what it, how, what would you classify your genre or your the type of music that 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 you that you would push, for instance, at your gigs? Well, it's changed. It's changed over the years. Yeah. I have to say, at the time, I was really just into your current, you know, your current R and B, you know, R and B and hip hop and mm. even house music. At the time, when I was at uh, what I would say maybe. You know, I wouldn't call it peak, but I think at the time when things were really busy, that's, I was playing current stuff. But because I loved old school music so much, I ended up creating this sort of double persona where I would do both both shows. You know, I could do some that were current music and then cross and then do an old school show the next time. So mm-hmm. a lot of people even then were saying, how does he manage to cross and do both? Because most end up specializing and just... You know, if they want to be current, then they're just going to be current. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the old school sessions. My whole 80s R&B era, that was my stuff. And I still do those shows. Yeah. I still do those every now and then when I come out to, to DJ because I love those the most because I think that for me was my best era of music anyway. Yeah, and you so, always you could always get the crowd going with, with one of those old tracks, you know? Yes, yes. So as it grew and the demand and I realized that I was actually able to make a living from it, I walked out on my job. Mm-hmm. I quit. Yep. I, I just <laughs> stood, stood up. I said, I'm bored. I don't want to do this anymore. I think I've proved myself and to the family and everyone else that I'm capable of looking after myself and yeah. family. So I think there's no need to keep saying you need to get that lawyer's check at the month end because I was still getting money elsewhere. So yeah. the family understood it. My mom was still alive then. My dad had passed on years before that. But my mom supported me and this was what was good about it mm. you know my mom supported me my wife supported me you know my siblings everyone basically said go for it you yeah. already you know go ahead flourish my friend you're yeah. doing well because so you'd already, you'd already, you'd already that. gained that, that, that acclaim already within zambia so it wasn't just like you sitting in in, in in your in your back garage and your and your friends jamming to your music you were getting paid for it and people were, were bringing you out to different countries to to play your music and so forth Looking at yes. um, the, the uh, local music industry in Zambia, what, how would you best describe it? Um, local, local, local music here, there was a time uh, there was, we kind of had to go through a revival of, because there was a time it died. Yeah. It actually died out completely mm-hmm. after one of the major, you know, record, like, uh, you know, companies here shut down in the 80s. There was nothing being produced for a while. It was all born again, uh, in the 90s, late 90s, and by then we were actually on the music scene. And I was, funny enough, one of the first guys to start taking artists to the public because people did not uh, did not know them, especially when the, the music sort of uh, underwent this revival. So when everything started again around 98, 99, somewhere mm-hmm. there, I now started combining the mobile thing, the unit. Whenever I would go to do gigs, and as in DJ gigs, I would actually carry artists with me to go oh, wow. and perform and this is how they were known after that because that's what we were doing then there weren't even many music videos and and things like that they started coming in a bit later but basically that's how we, we started taking these guys out yeah. every time we have a show we'd make sure we've got artists on the rotor and whatnot so it was a great way to be part of the whole revival of it so i, I actually know most of the guys in the industry because of that and what's been passed on since then but it's reached a point now where you know, at one point, I think Zambia music was only really just within the borders, but mm. it's it's crossed now. Everywhere you go, you can actually find and listen to Zambian music. I mean, we were in Kenya two weekends ago, and the biggest song we heard in the club was by a Zambian artist. Oh, and brilliant. At every club we went to. Yeah. Every club we went to, they were playing this song, and it was fantastic. It was very, I was very proud to hear that, and I thought, wow, finally, because we've had a lot of fights with Zambian artists about lack of originality sometimes and appreciating why... People will like you if you're not copycats yeah. and whatnot. So we've got a few guys out there who are 
trying to stick to what we might term as Zambian music, and, and it's paying off. It's yeah. beginning to and just and pushing that authenticity, which is really important, because I think if you look at any any country in terms of the musical genre, everyone's trying to be like the West. They're trying to be either a Kanye West or or a Fifty Cents and so forth. So it's really important that they that they're keeping with their authenticity. In terms of collaborations, um, have they have they started branching out with, say, for instance, South African artists and so forth? Because I mean, you see. Um, a lot of the Nigerian hip hop artists are going uh, America. Some are even doing stuff with, like, for instance, AKA and SA. Um, it, it, are we going to see a bit of a cross pollination of artists in in the future, in, in, in including um, Zambian artists? Actually, it it, it it has started to happen. It, it's again, it took a while, but mm. we can actually see it now. There've been a couple of collaborations uh, uh, already done recently, especially between Zambian and Kenyan artists and. Nigerian artists as well. Beautiful. Uh, there've actually been quite a few now, and it's 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 taken off. But like I said, we're getting noticed now. I've I've seen that people are sitting up and going, "Okay, these guys can actually do, yeah. you know, good stuff now." So it's a start. At least we've had a couple of collabs now with uh, guys from Nigeria and Kenya. Like I said, then and, and I'm sure it will be pretty easy with South Africans as well soon. Mm. I think I can see that happening as well. I think after that, that's when I think we can start looking at going off the continent and maybe you know, yeah. doing collabs with others. Accessibility, I know, is an issue sometimes and because of proximity and whatnot, and others are able to get out there and, and probably market more because I think a country, if it's not as well-sold or well-known, even just from a tourism uh, aspect, you yeah. tend to find that even artists don't take an interest. Yeah. So you need to sell it more. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just about... Even I always tell guys, when you're selling... When you're selling the country, think of all these things. Involve your artists and the mm. rest of them because that's how collabs will be born. Yeah, absolutely. But talking about about being accessibility and getting out there, you've I mean you've not only branched into South Africa, you've been flown to the UK to Australia for your DJ. How did how did those those relationships begin and those synergies begin? Mm, I oh, I'm trying to think. When was my wow? I think it all started. It was actually with the help of some of the Zambian communities that are based in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. I think that's how I would say it started because they had that, uh, there was that, there was that, it was like a niche. They basically kept saying, we need our own DJ to come and do events for us here, like, you know, maybe for independence dances and things like that, you know, end of year parties and whatnot. That's where it started. But even from that, ended up making contacts with other people who were non-Zambian. At the time, we now started taking an interest in saying, listen, we're doing such and such a festival. There's an African festival. Mm. We'd like a DJ from the southern part of Africa. Perhaps you could come through as well. So it helped. It helped that it started with, you know, from within the Zambian community. But Grand start after that. And, you know, again, uh, people were able to notice that and say, okay, you can play all these various genres of music and your switches are, are very good because you're not sticking to one actual, yeah. you know, only maybe one actual genre. So it would help to have somebody like you play for a mixed crowd, for instance. So come along and do things like that. Next thing, yes, I was jumping on planes and going off, you know, to the Netherlands and, like you said, to Australia, the U.S. itself mm-hmm. and, and other parts of the continent as well on Africa, in, in Africa itself and, and elsewhere. So yeah. it, it's been a very good experience. Now, DJing at a live gig, I mean, there's that thrill. It's live. You've got people screaming or booing you. Um, how different is it, or, or rather, should I say, what is your your most comfortable position? Are you happy in studio speaking to your audience, or do you like being out there with that mad rush, that adrenaline rush, and so forth? Actually, <laughs> I think now, I think the, because I'm, I have kind of slowed down with live DJing, I don't do it as much, hmm. but it's incredible how when I do go out there, every time I go, oh my goodness, there's no greater feeling than this. Playing for a large crowd and whatnot is such an adrenaline rush. Yeah. And, and really, when you have them eating out of your hands, nothing can stop your ego after that. You start feeling like you're a mini god. <laughs> <laughs> that godly power takes over. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I'm glad no, that you no, admitted that because a lot of people w- wouldn't admit to that. But now in terms of DJing, no, are there any DJs it. that you'd like to to maybe collaborate with or do something and re- and record something together? Well, I I would say I mean I've got some in the industry who I'm very good friends with even mm. in South Africa itself like uh but I mean if I was to really sit down think about who I I would have to look at the one I, I like I like the the talent that comes out of Kenya. Yeah. I have to say I do like 
one 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 or two guys and what they do when they're when they're DJing. I was actually there, like I said, two weeks ago, and I did a gig as well mm. while I was there. Because they, 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 that mark is also and, really uh, untouched, unless unless you're traveling to Kenya, it's still really it's it's still very vague. Nobody really knows about. I mean, I'm talking about the rest of the continent about what's really really happening yeah. there. Yeah. But they, they really do have very good DJs. I've said that even from before, to be mm. honest. They they really do. And, uh, I mean, there are a couple of guys, in, like I said, even in South Africa that I know. But to be honest, it's the older, I would say, not. I, I don't know much about the newer guys, mm-hmm. per se, but, you know, I, obviously I know I know the DJ Kills of this world and Osquito and Fresh yeah. and whatnot. Those are the kind of people for me, yeah. I mean, if I was ever to be given a chance to do a collab, I'd probably jump at one of those first and say, okay, let's try this out, you know? I, I think that's that's what I would say. Yeah. I'm not even looking at the way, I mean, most people say things like, you know, Europe, I want to go and see, you know, video ever from, nah, I just within. I think there, there are enough people within to look up to and to aspire to do works with. Yeah, yeah. And I think also the rest of Africa needs to sit, to sit up and actually appreciate the level of talent and, and what we have on the continent, you know. Um, but moving, we, we, we mentioned we, uh, Studio 53, and we'll just talk about that before we go into a quick break. Uh, and that's where, where just for, for the listeners, I mean, that's where I met Chishala, where we were both presenters on this program. And we got to travel the continent for free and, and got introduced to the most wonderful traditions and cultures and experiences and so forth. What were some of your most memorable moments? Wow, I, I, uh, Studio 53 really made me see the world. It was fantastic. Mm. It was hard work, but it really was, it really, really was worth it though. Got to see places I never thought I'd go to. Memorable. I mean, I think practically every shoot had its moments. Yeah. <laughs> Memorable, both good and bad. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, there are obviously some that stand out. I, I always remember when I went to Tunisia and living more in the car and traveling across the country for so long, for something like 10 days. I think at the end of that trip, I was almost in tears just saying, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I've seen enough sand and I've seen enough water. I'm done. I just want to go. But, but yeah, I, you know, even film, you know, meeting people like the late Miriam Makeba for Africa Day yeah. at Trafalgar Square and doing that documentary with her, that was fun. The weather was horrible that day, but we had a good time, mm. I think, you know, doing that shoot as well. Uh, going off to places like French Reunion Islands and going up the mountain. I come from a flat landlocked, you know, plateau, mm. a country. And then I ended up going up on the mountains and we're driving up and suddenly I started turning gray and short of breath and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's <laughs> like the African, the African man is things. experiencing the altitude. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that's just been killed me. But, but most of the time, really, what I loved was just learning about the different cultures and the food. I mean, I gained weight on Studio 53. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, I remember. <laughs> you arrived and you were like this, this like leaf skinny man. And then like a couple of months later, we're like watching, we're doing incest. It's like, so Chishala's really loving it up there, isn't he? <laughs> you, you know, you know what I found so unfair was when our boss, when our executive producer came and said to me, um, we need you to watch your weight uh, because it's showing on TV. And I'm looking at them going, hey, but you're the one who feeds me when I go. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Give me all these food stories. Food, this food, this restaurant, food. What do you want me to do? Put, Put me on the treadmill. Put me on the treadmill. <laughs> but now you're, I mean, when, when you're, you're first insert, and I'll never forget watching it, you were so natural uh, as, a, as a TV presenter. Um how did you prepare yourself from, as you said, you didn't want to do television because you were always radio, but how did you prepare yourself and become so comfortable in that position? Because not everybody can be a TV presenter. I, I think it was basically because I already had comfort with public speaking. Mm-hmm. I think that was what it was. And, you know, the whole thing of always, you know, emceeing at events and talking to large groups and whatnot. But, you know, being in front of the camera, I have to say, I mean, the very first time, it really was about the first person I was given to work with. And I think that's what worked. It was really the first time we went out there and my director and cameraman, you know, sitting and basically saying to me, look, just be yourself. That's the first rule. Don't put on any, you know, don't start making up some other sort of character, but just be you and you will find that the camera will find you and that's it. You will be you would be comfortable. And those, I think that was the first lesson. And it worked. For yeah. me, I felt so comfortable 
just from the very first shoot itself. And I remember looking back going, why did I hesitate? Why didn't I do this any earlier? <laughs> yeah, once, once you, I think if you're more comfortable with yourself, um, and you can see that yeah. with, with two presenters is because if you're comfortable with yourself, you're not you're not afraid of of putting that out there on the screen and so forth. I and mean, in, in terms of, of TV production, example. sorry, carry on. Sorry, I'll say give an example about the comfort level. Mm. The very first shoot I did, and how everyone just said, "Oh my goodness," was going to film the Victoria Falls here in Zambia in Livingston. I'm going on that nice edge bridge and stripping to my underwear and dancing in front of the camera. And they filmed that and showed it on TV. Yeah, I remember that. In fact, for our our listeners, I'm going to put that on my Facebook page. I'm going to find that link. It is one of the most beautiful, beautiful scenes where you've got this like rushing of water going onto this rickety little bridge. And then you see Chishala going down. I think you'd you'd just come from a link. And then he breaks out into this wonderful, crazy African dance, jiggling his bottom. It is so beautiful. I'll, I'll never ever forget that. Beautiful, beautiful. But in terms of, of TV yeah, production, are you are you moving into the executive producer roles, or are you just going to be focusing mainly on radio? Um, I mean, I you know that I still I, I'm still filming. I'm doing some some behind the scenes productions, mm-hmm. even directing. I'm actually doing some some even there's a new lifestyle show I'm doing for Super Sport yeah. Africa actually. It's be, you know, behind the camera now and whatnot. So I still do things like that. I mean, I, I did even do that for Star Drift as well. And even Studio 53 itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've got a crew that's still there and we're still working behind the scenes and filming and sending through material for airing on, uh, on, on DSTV. Beautiful. From an executive producer point of view, to be honest, it is just constraints with time. There have been ideas that have been pitched that we've looked at mm. that I've been saying we'd like to do, but I also feel that it would be unfair to take on something and, and do it 75% instead yeah. of 100%. I think it just requires me to find the time to be able to sit and focus on doing something. I don't want to take on one too many things as well because I won't give it my all anyway. Yeah, yeah, you want that 100% dedication. We're going to take a quick yep. break. Um, and to our listeners, our number is 0861-555-189. If you want to call through or send us a message on WeChat. And, of course, the name is Cliff Central. We're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to move into um, Chishala's radio station, Flavor FM. But after this. This is CliffCentral.com. At iStore, we love Apple stuff. But we're only human. Sometimes we drop our iPhones on the road face down. And it makes us sad. That's why we came up with iCare Plus, a nifty little product exclusive to iStore. For when stupid things happen to good people with awesome phones, it'll have your beloved iPhone covered for water, screen, and physical damage. So come to iStore. Why would you go anywhere else? Visit myistore.co.za for more info. T's and C's apply. Sir Richard Branson had a game changing idea. He made it happen. You have a game changing idea. And now, Sir Richard wants to discuss it with you aboard the Virgin Atlantic 787 Dreamliner. Presenting Dream Trapaneur. Email dream at cliffcentral.com with your one-minute video or audio recorded business plan. If our panel of judges think it's a game changer, you'll be one of ten to attend a course at the Joburg Branson Center of Entrepreneurship. Then, two final winners will take home 40,000 Rand in cash, 140,000 Rand's digital marketing package, one week in London attending Global Entrepreneurship Week, and time with Sir Richard Branson aboard the Virgin Atlantic 787 Dreamliner. An idea is only ever an idea until you make it happen. T's and C's apply. Go to cliffcentral.com for more info. Are you South Africa's next dream entrepreneur? This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome back to the show. This is the Afro-Yiddish Princess, and you're listening to Pan-African Connect, where we connect for to everyone across Africa. And today we're focusing on Zambia and speaking to Tishala Chitoshi Jr., a.k.a. Gesh Groove on Twitter. Gesh Groove, where did they come from, Tishala? Hello? <laughs> We've lost Tishala. Okay, so we're going to play um, another track of his and while we get him back, and it's from the Nick Straka band called Must You Dance?
Okay, sorry about that little glitch, but it, it happens to the best of people. So, Chishala, are you back with us? Yes, CIA. <laughs> so, Gesh Groove, where, where, where did that come from? How did you get that name for yourself? Because I, I need to, the reason oh, I'm man, asking is that whenever, like my first trip to Zambia, and everyone was like, no, you, you here to see Gesh. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I said to somebody, I was like, who the hell is Gesh? I was like, no, it's Chishala, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, um, it started from school, actually. I was in boarding school in Botswana at mm. a school called Marapola. And I met two Zambians there. So we, we clicked on each other. Oh, you're from Zambia. Oh, I'm from Zambia. Oh, you're from Zambia. So we all became friends. So mm. basically, it was now, uh, you know, what's your name? And I said, my name is Chishala. Yeah. So one guy, Francis, the other guy, Ruben, go, oh, Chishala. And then they said, we used to be at school with a guy called Geshala. <laughs> so they were they they basically made fun of me instead of calling me Tishala, they started saying oh Geshala, and then from there it was oh Gesh, and that's how the nickname was born. Now this is over. You can imagine this is like thirty years ago, I think. Wow. So it was now oh Gesh, oh Geshala, Gesh, and then when I became the school DJ, it was oh this Gesh guy is quite groovy. Oh this Gesh guy is quite groovy. <laughs> Next thing, oh he's Gesh groove, and that's how the name came about. And it stuck, and it, and it sits well. It sits well. But let, let's let's look at um, uh, Flavor FM, your 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 radio station that you opened, and not not in Lusaka where you grew up, but in Kitwe. First of all, what was why did you decide to move to to the Copper Belt? Actually, I I'm from the Copper Belt, but mm-hmm. I'm from a town just thirty minutes away from Kitwe called Indola, mm-hmm. and basically I, I've always had I, I love the Copper Belt, I have to say, and and just you know. The, the the mechanisms they had are different. You know, I, I I'm trying to find a polite way of putting things, but people in the Copper Belt are very different from people in Osaka. I, and people say this a lot when they go to other countries as well. I guess I think they tend to find that, you know, the capital city is full of, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, superficiality and yeah. things like that. So I went into Osaka to basically use the platform to build a brand. Mm-hmm. And I managed to do that successfully when I was on, on radio there. And I started off with uh, Radio 4, which is a you know, state-owned, but I went into private radio, the first private radio station here called Radio Phoenix. I basically was using that because I had intentions of doing this one day, but I wanted to build a brand around you know just the music, the shows, or doing all of that. So... When for me it worked and I knew the time had come, mm-hmm. I knew that I would always want to go back and do this on the Copper Belt in the province yeah. where I grew up from so that we can have something of our own yeah. here as well. Yeah. So it, I looked at that time and I also looked at where there was obviously a niche market. I looked at how Lusaka was quickly filling up with the airways and whatnot. And I thought, okay, no one is really interested in going to the Copper Belt because I think they think there's no money there, but here's a chance for us to go and do something and uh, see if it, uh, if it, if you know, if it can work. Yeah. I, we were sure it would work, and uh, yes, it did. And that's how Flavor FM basically, of you know, was launched eight years ago. Yeah, and and the name Flavor FM is it? What? Where did that come from? Is it because you're playing um, old 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 stew? I mean, like you t- talk about also the genre of music you play, but where did the name come about from? Okay, Flavor basically came from radio shows again that I built. Uh, on Radio Phoenix at the time, because my shows were all called, there were two different types of shows. They were both called Essential Flavors. Mm. So there was Essential Flavors back to the old school, which was, you know, uh, the one that was my Sunday show for my 80s music. And then there was Essential Flavors, the Future Flavors show, which was on Friday nights that used to bring in new music, unsigned, you know, brand you know, brand new music from Europe, wherever, before it played anywhere else. Yeah. So there was that exclusivity. So the shows with the name Flavor itself became you know, synonymous with Gesh doing whatever on radio. So by the time we were sitting down and saying, what should we name radio station? We started looking at all these different names and we're like, you know what? We should probably run with the same flavor because that's what we do. We were saying we bring flavor. And and that was it. And that's how the name Flavor SM was born. Beautiful. And and, and the the staff that you hired, did you have to start from scratch in terms of training? I mean, who, like for instance, the the days, the, the day you opened your doors, how many, how many people did you have working under your label? Um, we actually, it was intentional. Um, mm. It was intentional to start with people who had not been on radio. Beautiful. Uh, I, I, I found that at the time, because what the industry was still pretty new here and still quite young, uh, those who were already in the industry, and if you pick them, they sort of maybe will come with their own 
habits that they've picked up from somewhere else. But for me, if you take somebody and totally clean slate, no idea of whatever, but you find whatever talents they have, mm. all you do then is hone that skill and maybe teach them according to your vision or what it is that you want to do. Yeah. I, I tend to find that that, for me, was the working solution and it works very well. Yeah. Because you've also created, uh, it's almost like a family. Because I remember when you brought a couple of them down to South Africa, just a bit of training and just a bit of exposure and so forth. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've had a lot of joys, and we're going to talk about some of the accolades that, 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 that you've received through the station. But what were your challenges in, 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 in starting up in the, in, in, your initial, in the initial phase? Um, well, at that time, the process itself was quite arduous, and it would take... You know, it. I think it took us just application process alone. I think took over two years. Wow. Uh, to get to get running off the ground. Yeah, it's. I and I understand that's changed a lot now. The processes are are quicker, but at that time, all things were quite slow, really. And uh, it, it taught me nothing but how to be a patient person because I wasn't a patient person before that. <laughs> no, I, it wasn't. I just. I ah uh, no. I believe me. I was. That's one time I ate humble pie. I learned to say, you know what? Sometimes these things are out of your control. They're not in your hands. You just have to sit and wait and let the powers that be do what they want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and also, it's also so about it was, faith and belief. Because if, if it wasn't, if you weren't passionate about it, you would have just packed up another, come to Lusaka, gone, gone back to Lusaka or gone back to the UK or something. Yes, and, and you see, it took quite a while to the point where even some of the young guys when we're doing the training and everything was going on, you could see them actually getting a little deflated because they saw another station open before us in the same town mm. and whatnot. And you could actually see amongst themselves, one guy maybe would come back and say to me, ah, you know what, these kids, I think one or two are giving up. They don't think this is going to happen. They want to go to the other place. And I had to actually speak to them and say, listen, you've got the freedom too if you want to. But, you know, we, we believe in, you know, we don't believe in instant gratification. It's long-term. Mm. Long-term planning always works better. Long-term yeah. successes by far better than instant gratification. And I know today's generation just wants everything done there and then and the results the next day. Yeah. So I had to talk. You know, I don't know how many motivational talks I gave, to be honest. I should have, that could have been the new career at the time. But <laughs> I had to keep doing that a lot. Yeah. And, you know, until finally we, you know, finally we got off the ground. And even when we did, it took a while for the, for the business to even pick up or even to be recognized because mm. we had other competitors in the market, you know, what were those oh, competitors running, saying? I mean, was, was, like was, was it really, really tough in terms of, of the competitors in the market? I mean, did you, were, were, they, were they being a little bit ruthless towards you or was it just in this friendly competitive environment? How, what was the situation? Actually, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a combination of, uh, of those things. Yes, mm-hmm. there was ruthlessness because we were new and there, there, there was undercutting. Mm-hmm. There were things like that, you know, even the way other competitors were selling themselves to clients because, you know, somebody would come to you, would go and make an approach, you'd pitch something. And, you know, sometimes the client would actually reject your idea, but take the same pitch and go and put it on another radio station. And you know, it's your idea. Wow. And you're going, what the heck? That was, that was ours. You know, things, we went through stuff like that, you know, yeah. and some guys were operating with, uh, you know, more than one rate sheet. They had one which was above board, which you show to the public. They had another one which was under the table that they used to undercut you every time you're trying to get business from a client. So all those things we have to learn along the way. Mm. And are, in, in Zambia, are there are they organizations or institutions in place to to monitor that type of behavior or is it, is it, still, is it still in its infant stage? Uh, no, it's still, it's really regulation of that kind. No, I wouldn't say there's anything like that. Look, we, we of course, I've got our broadcasting authority, our independent broadcasting authority that oversees obviously license issues and conditions and yeah. what you broadcast and ethics and all of that. But to get to the point of the business itself, no, there's no way you can, there's nobody you can go to to say, ah, uh, this station is being unethical because they're doing this. There's nothing like that. Yeah. No, I mean, that's just free. It's free market. It's each man for himself. <laughs> you're just do running you're for it. Go, go, yeah, go do what you need to do. But now you're to your the, the <laughs> joys and successes. I mean, if you won a couple of awards and, and, and your, your listenership has increased. What is your listenership at the moment on average, ballpark? On, on, on average, where we come from, I mean, on, on the Copper Belt itself, we, we have a potential, you know, reach, a potential reach of about, uh, I would say, uh, a million point five mm-hmm. listeners somewhere there, but wow. we are obviously not. I mean, we this does split across 
obviously with the other competitors. But, you know, you can be looking at easily, you know, no less than half a million somewhere there well on the constant. Well done. That's great. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, yeah. and then the, the, so, some of the awards that you've won. Let's talk about those accolades. Oh, yeah. We, you know, we, oof, now we, I think in the third year, by the time we were thinking to the third year of our business, we started uh uh, winning, uh, you know, like these awards from the Chamber of Commerce here. They have the annual awards that they do for industry and different, you know, you're have you in different categories, obviously. And basically, four years, the last four years in a row, we've won the best media house for the Chamber of Commerce for this wow. region. Wow. Congratulations. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So mm. we were trying to go for a fifth, but we failed. So <laughs> no, we're, no, we're no, no. You never use the word failed. You were challenged. We're the trophies. <laughs> you were challenged. It's never <laughs> a failure. We're keeping the trophies because we're going to get fifth next year, so it's fine. <laughs> and what, what, are your, what are your future plans with the station? Do you plan to expand it a bit more, uh, get to another region? That's, mm. That's exactly it. Uh, we're working on expansion, actually. Yeah. And, and we're back to the battlefield of sorting out the bureaucracy of it and convincing and proposing and whatnot. So that, that's what we're actually working on. At the moment, I mean, we are in more than one town of, mm-hmm. of the about six towns on the Copper Belt itself. But the reach has never been 100% to all of them. But what we're doing now is signal enhancement. In the next three, four weeks, we're actually moving our transmission equipment to new premises. And we've bought new equipment, which we're installing, and then that will enhance the signal. From there, we're then moving into uh, applying for the next province, basically, because we do want to get to Lusaka. Mm-hmm. We've had players coming to our region, but we weren't allowed to go into there. So this became our argument, and we've basically had to go and see the authorities and say, well, if you are allowing everyone else to come from Lusaka into the Copper Belt, I yeah. really don't see why you should still be sitting on everyone else's request to leave the Copper Belt and go to Lusaka. Yeah. So we should be treated the same. So that's what we're actually working on. After we finish with the stigma enhancement on the Copper Belt, our next target is Lusaka, that's for sure. Beautiful. And and in terms of, of, of the competition that would happen in Lusaka, I mean, what are the main players? Who are the main players in terms of radio stations in Lusaka now? Because I know before it used to be mainly Phoenix. Because, you know, we, we kind of, yes, of course, there's Radio Phoenix, but mm. there's Hot FM, yeah. uh, who've, who've really grown very fast. Mm. So there's Hot FM, there's QFM, and there's Rock FM. I can tell you, Lusaka has 24 radio stations. Wow, okay. 24. And and really from those, even if I were to, uh, I, you know, we, we kind of, you, you're supposed to see everybody as competition, but there are others who cater for a totally different market. So sometimes you don't really sort of maybe count them. But the ones I'm mentioning are like the major players, including the state-owned ones, of course. There's Radio 4, where I first started, because they've got a very wide reach. Yeah. They, they do. They really do. So, yeah, they're all over. It's, it's practically nationwide. So, oh. as you know, as expected for a state-owned one. But, uh, yeah, there's there's quite a bit of competition. Yeah. I, I don't worry so much about uh, about the competition in that respect, because I think we... We know as Playback FM what we can do and even what we can cater for and even the capabilities of our radio presenters and what they can do. And yeah. I think I, I'm just one of those just sitting on, on the bench waiting to be put on the field of play, really just waiting to say, I can't wait for this to get to Lusaka. We've had a lot of people from Lusaka who stream right now yeah. because that's what they, they want to listen to Playback FM, but it has no presence in Lusaka. And these are the people who've been constantly asking when can you reach Lusaka because this is what I want to listen to. Yeah, but I mean, it's and, not just Lusaka and, that people yeah. are streaming. I mean, I've looked at the feed and and there's often comments yeah. from coming from the UK, coming from Australia. And I think that's, it's not only yep. the Zambian diaspora, but it's also because of the name that Gesh Groove has created, you know. So it's, it's amazing that from all four corners of the world, people know about this amazing radio station that's on the Copper Belt. Even if they don't know where the Copper Belt yeah. is, they know it exists, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Can I can I quickly share a story? With yeah. you? Very very quickly, one that that left me so pleased. I think I was smiling for days. Uh, we do have because we're able to monitor obviously who's streaming from where and what countries. And yes, we see that all the time. Mm. Japan, you name it, even the time differences. But one of the most amazing things that I had was when I got an email from a, a lawyer friend of mine who said, "I want you to see this attachment," and he sent me this attachment of a, of a gentleman who went to Canada mm-hmm. and he went into this town which is not even what's it called it's a smaller town he went to this town and sat in this pub and he's listening to 
the music that's coming through the feed, and then he hears, you know, Flavor FM, and he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is this, what, excuse me. So he went up and asked, and they said, uh, we found this radio station on the net, and the music these guys play, and, you know, whatnot. We've never been to Zambia, but we like what they do, and this pub up to today, this was two years ago, mm. still has Flavor FM as their feed before the bands start playing and everything. The feed that they have is they run it permanently on Flavor FM. Ah, enough respect to you. That's a beautiful story. And I'm sure, I'm sure if, yeah. if, if, if you were to go around the world, there'll be other small pockets of people just listening. Because, I mean, as you said, everyone is into this instant gratification. You listen to the music that's out there. And, you know, it's all doof, 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 if not swearing and so forth. But the yeah. stuff that you're playing yeah. is, is, is old school. It's music to me, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and even, I mean, even the new music, to be honest, mm. I mean, we, we have that every day on, even from the breakfast show. But we don't want to keep, you see, when Essential Flavors was born, I used to say, I always want to find the B-side of, an, of a single. Yeah. I never used to focus on what was maybe the hottest tune on the charts, but I would go and search on the same album to find something you know, for me, what I thought was good, but different. Mm. And those are the songs that started coming out, and that's how the whole Essential Flavors thing was born. And that's why people liked that show that time, yeah. and, and the listenership and the crazy numbers and whatnot. So that's been carried on, basically. It was basically trickled down to the guys on air. We're always looking for, you know, something a little different. We don't always have to go for what is. Mm. Not to say, you know, completely discard of it. Of course not. You still need that, because it's popular. Yeah. It's pop music. It's popular everywhere. You need it to be on air. But but we do like the chunks that we have, basically, of playing things that are different. We have communities that have been set up, like in the in the UK and the US, there are guys who sit and wait for certain shows, and they meet, especially on Sundays, when we do the old school sessions on Sundays, yeah. from my show, the one before mine and the one after mine. People actually sit in groups and meet and take drinks and have barbecues, and then they... They connect the streaming to a you know, to a to a, a home theater system, and listen. I know it's wow. so crystal clear. It's, it's like playing CD quality. So yeah. that's what they do. So we've got communities based in different parts of the world who actually gather, and that's how they meet and they make it their tradition to listen to Flavor FM. Yeah, beautiful. And where, 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 where? What's what's on the plans for the next five to ten years? I mean, we've spoken about the expansion that you want to get it to Lusaka and 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 to the rest of Zambia. Where where's Gesh Groove going to go to? Where's Chishala? Where? What are your plans afterwards? Um, I think after you know after getting to Lusaka, if once we do that and see what else we can do for Nationwide, really start looking at. We actually already we already were in the process of opening another radio station in another part of, totally different part of the country. Mm-hmm. Nothing like flavor, totally different brand, targeting the market that's there. So that's something that's already uh, in the works. And what, so what, what, when you mean different, what I give, just elaborate on, is it, is it a different demographic, different, different genre of music? Yeah, it's a, diff, it's a, it's, it's a different, it's a different demographic mm-hmm. actually. It yeah. actually is. So yeah, we're looking at something completely, completely different from what flavor is doing. Perfect. And, uh, after that, there's still the the possibility of uh, going into TV mm-hmm. soon as well. So that's something that, as Tishala, I am actually already examining and looking at. So there's a possibility. The next time you're talking to me, you might hear that there's a, there's a new TV station somewhere in Zambia. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and mentorship, are you offering any mentorship or training for people who, you know... Actually, Although we, we've moved in, in great strides across the continent, you know, there's still that mentality like music, television, it's, it's child's play. You can do it in your, in your spare time. It's a hobby. Um, but I, I, we, we, as we know, there's still kids out there who, like you, wanted to pursue their career in music, wanted to pursue their career and, and follow their passion. Are you opening up that platform or are those platforms already open in Zambia? Um, actually, it's funny you ask that because uh, uh, just recently – Earlier this year, launched. Uh, I, I actually launched uh, a company called DJ Academy. Yeah, beautiful. And that that took off. That took off. It was it was it was started sometime late last year, but the launch was this year, and we had a big press thing and whatnot. So what we're doing now, I, it's it's incredible how mentorship is so important, and there's lack of it. And also, it's not just that there's lack of it. The people who've done it before really don't have the time to sit and mm. teach people because they also have this stigma of going, oh, these youngsters, oh, what do they want these kids? What do they know? Mm. That sort of mentality. But secondly, the young ones themselves tend to have this pride and don't want to 
you know, ask, just ask for guidance. They seem to think they can make it on their own by watching something on TV and going, well, if so-and-so did it, so can I, without going into the intricacies of finding mm. out what this person, you know, what makes this person tick, for instance. Yeah, and actually so, learning the craft itself we, and having respect been, for the craft. Yeah, yeah. So we now do workshops. With the DJ Academy, we've been doing workshops, and we've been lucky enough to even have corporate, large corporate companies pay for people to attend, radio mm. presenters, TV and whatnot. And we've started doing that now, and it's helping, it's helping people fine-tune you know, what it is they're doing, but even going through the do's and don'ts mm. of radio particularly, because like I said, we are still a young industry, even though there's so many radio stations here, the experience is lacking, and what we're doing is now using that platform, whatever it is that we've learned, like especially for me and what I've learned elsewhere that's useful, bring it here and apply it and let people know how they can also be, you know, fit in globally with yeah. the whole love of radio and whatnot. So I've actually been doing that because... I always remember our stories and you and Fuzit and the whole studio 53, 53 crew coming in, or I think 12 strong of us, going to four radio stations. And the first question was, that was? How are you finding Zambia? <laughs> there you go. How are you finding Zambia? That became our soundtrack. You know, it was our mantra everywhere we went. So it's, how, how are you finding Zambia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chishala, I could speak to you for I'll hours on end, my brother. Thank you so much for your time. Um, to our listeners, if you want to, you, in fact, you need to follow him. It's Gesh Groove on Twitter and then Flavor FM 87 DOT 7. Am I right? Otherwise, yeah, just, it. just, yeah. Otherwise, just follow me, Princess RTM on, on Twitter. And I'm going to be putting up, uh, that, 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 that little insert from Studio 53 with Chishala dancing on the bridge. You got to watch it. It is just too beautiful. Um, and please, whoever's around the world, stream into this amazing station and let us know when you're streaming in what you like, also what you don't like. You know, um, um, criticism is also good and it's good for growth. But Chishala, the next time we speak to each other, um, I'm going to hear about this new television venture. You're going to become, in fact, you are one of the moguls of Zambia in terms of the media industry. So we just, we're going to put you onto that Forbes list. We need to, we need, we need to take it up a notch. So no, no pressure to you, my brother. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time, my darling. Keep on shining. Thank you, guys, and thank you to Cliff Central. I appreciate this very much, guys, and keep up the good work. Loving it. I'm a big fan. Good. Well, when next time you're Josie, let us know, and then you pop into studio. Well, too. Thank you, guys. Thank you again very much. Take it easy. That was Chishala Chitoshi Jr., a.k.a. Gash Groove. I can't believe an hour's already passed. My right-hand man, Duncan, thank you very much for all the hard work. We will be back next week, same time, 3 to 4 p.m. And next week, we go to East Africa. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Rosie Motena, a.k.a. the Afro-Yiddish Princess. Pan-African Connect on cliffcentral.com. Don't